Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Alex, what do we do all of this for? The fans? Exactly, the fans. So in this case, we mean the fans from Fanimation Ceiling Fans. It has been hot this summer, and who couldn't use a new fan in their place? I know I could. Fanimation is a family-owned business. They're a leader in the ceiling fan industry with a wide selection of high-quality, versatile, and customizable fans. Their fans are sold across the USA and around the world, but their headquarters are right here in Indiana. Go to Fanimation.com to find out where you can get your very own Fanimation fan today. that time of the week again uh off track with hinge and rossi's back i am being very uh obliged these past couple of days to be able to be included in the newly appointed hinchcliff home no longer hinchcliff dalton home yes so we're recording off track with hinge and rossi live from james hinchcliff's office with three dogs running around mm-hmm. and uh it's been it's been fun it's been great. Wait, are you, are you you're staying there now? No, you're I, there I again? basically live here. Yeah, he's a full on full on resident of uh, Chateau again. Again, yes, a little bit different this time <laughs> around because I have a girlfriend and two dogs. Right. <laughs> so you're just way more inconvenient for James. <laughs> well, to be fair, last time I lived here, James wasn't here. So actually, it's more inconvenient for me because he's here. True. Before it was basically well, James, just my. Hey, James, aren't you about to leave? Uh, I mean, for a day, for a day, so he'll, he'll have a day reprieve. But I mean, I really should just stay. I should stay away, and I don't want to inconvenience Alex. It was rude of me to be here when he moved in. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna say anything, but yeah, I agree. It is rude of you to be in your own home. <laughs> it actually works out well though, because uh, this time he also brought a friend for Becky and two friends for Lucy. So really, everybody is just like on an extended play date. Everyone just has friends all the time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. Yeah. And yet, I'm not allowed in that particular house. Oh, no, absolutely not. No, we said everyone has friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, I get it. I you, see you. You, you, you notice how you'd up. be the odd guy out if you came here. Yes. Yeah, no, you're right. I get it. I get yeah. it. I, I, once I said it, I heard it. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so so because I've been living here and we're all under the same roof, uh, for, for better or for worse, um, we've had a lot of interesting conversations we've had throughout the day. Times. Yeah, a lot yeah. of time spent together to yeah. and from the gym because yep. we obviously both train at, at PitFit and, and, and nights around the fire. Um, we haven't actually had a fire. We haven't lit a single fire yet. No, we should do that. But by, by fire, you mean the coffee table. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes the kitchen table. Yeah. And it's led to some interesting discussions. And one of them that we really wanted to share with you guys was um, the outrageous nature of what's technically classified as breakfast food in North America. So how we got started on this was that we were going to have, we came, we had a really hard training session and we were eating our like soup uh, that we picked up on our way home. And we were like, man, you know, it's, it's amazing 
you know, the types of, of foods you can eat throughout the day. Like you can choose this weird. Like I felt weird that I was eating soup before noon, but then it was like, okay, well, what about the fact that people eat cake before noon? You go to Starbucks and you order a coffee cake. Right. Let's talk about pancakes. Well, hang on, but a coffee cake is not a cake. That, that, that's a separate thing. Nobody has a coffee me. cake for their birthday. I, I don't know. It's the same exact ingredients milk, sugar, flour. I, no, okay, but the milk, sugar, and flour are the same ingredients for a lot of things. Exactly. This is what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is how come some things are okay for breakfast, like coffee cake, pancakes, donuts are kind of more so, considered a morning so thing? So I was about to say that my demarcation line is icing, and then I remembered donuts. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I mean, <laughs> what do you, you guys put, do for breakfast? What's what's the normal Hinchcliffe Rossi breakfast? Well, well, hang on, hang on. We'll get to that in a second. But it's like the, the real argument became: Why are foods classified and and dictated by time of day? Because so what 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 we landed on was by the by the stipulations of all the things that we just said. Cookies are a breakfast food. But well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys aren't the first ones to figure that out. There's literally a cereal that is just cookies. Yeah, I mean, most cereals are just terrible. No, I'm no, no. About cookie crisps, right? No, it's I know, I know. Oreo O's? No, no, I get Oreo it. O's. It's, I can't, you, Alex taught me about this. I did not know that was a thing, and I'm blown away by the fact that there's something I don't know what Oreo that is. O's. It's, I mean... Why don't we just use our heads for a sec, Tim? Oreo. What do you What do you okay, think it is? But I'm saying I've never. Okay, I've never had one or seen one. I should have said I've, I. I can put together that it's Oreo somehow made into an O. Thing. They're a super I, real thing. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the box. He's googled it, and I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Oh, they I don't. Delicious. I don't doubt they're real. I'm just a little sad that they're real. Well, exactly. But so, like, <laughs> why is that a breakfast food in the first place? It's literally so classified as Oreo O's is a breakfast cereal made. By post, great, which consists of Oreo flavored O shaped pieces. Which <laughs> is just mind boggling to me because, like, on what planet is it natural we... Oreo flavoring? It's part of a balanced breakfast, obviously. So, what I don't understand is, is at what point did society take these foods and make them so accepted that it becomes a mainstream thing? That, like, donut shops, not, I'm not talking about a a Dunkin' Donuts that serves coffees and sandwiches and everything, but truly dedicated donut shops don't serve food past one. So it's like, on on what planet are people think that it's okay that they go and have probably one of the most unhealthy foods that you can get, period. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's donuts and fettuccine Alfredo. Like, <laughs> those are horrible. So there actually is a bit of an answer to this. Of course, about Tim when when it started, when like unhealthy breakfast foods started. I think it was the fifties or sixties. There was a marketing department that was trying to market bacon, and they they went and did a survey of physicians. Bacon. And I'm said, gonna interrupt for a it, second. Bacon is at least a meat. I know, but I'm just I'm explaining how we got started with unhealthy food for breakfast. Okay. So they they went and and did a survey of doctors, and they put the question that said. Is it healthier to have eggs and bacon for breakfast or to not have breakfast at all? And the doctor said, well, I guess it would be healthier to have eggs and bacon, but bacon's not healthy. So they took that survey and then to the public they said, you know, nine out of ten doctors agree bacon is part of a healthy breakfast. And it started this whole trend of just including anything you want in breakfast food. But it doesn't because most people would be like, I'm not going to have 
cheesecake for breakfast. I'm not going to have a cupcake for I'm breakfast. I'm not going to have a cupcake for... So where is the differentiating factor between a cheesecake and a glazed donut? That's what I don't get. Where has donuts been accepted? Where have coffee cake... Where is that accepted? Where is Oreo cereal accepted? And, well, and coffee also- cake I get because it's got coffee in it. Yeah, so why it's that's 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 that's, that's a irrelevant thing. because no one eats coffee flavored ice cream for breakfast. Oh man, I might start. <laughs> well, I, I no this this I want to get back to this because you guys are both pr- professional athletes. What do you guys have for breakfast most? Well, breakfasts? I don't eat breakfast. Okay. <laughs> that kind of ruins uh, that question. I usually have <laughs> some type of I usually a protein shake before the gym and then after the gym, eggs and avocado, maybe some toast. Um, but again, like eggs are known as a breakfast food, but why? Why can't you have breakfast or why can't you have eggs for dinner? I don't like eggs. Which okay. is fair. I feel like we're getting off track a little bit, which, which <laughs> seems oddly appropriate. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to bring up a point. So we brought this up to someone at the gym and he is going to remain unnamed, but he's a pretty old IndyCar driver from Brazil. <laughs> and um, that's not Zach Beach. The lives Zach in Indianapolis. He's uh, pretty short and, and bald. The big nose. Uh, and very fit with lots of tattoos. So unnamed IndyCar driver was like, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's just, I mean, typical Americans, right? And I was like, hold on a second. Like, I feel like, you know, let's take European culture and the continent of Europe which has been around for a lot longer than the United States. And I feel like the amount of pastries and cakes yeah. and crepes yeah. that they have for breakfast. Crepes with Nutella. Like yeah. Food so breakfast. so is it really America's fault? I feel I feel like this is we probably learned it more from in, watching you. <laughs> no, I feel like it's more of a European influence than anything, right? Uh, yeah, I think the pastry thing certainly it comes from a European background and then like most things, America just like ramped that whole thing up. Oh, just yeah, took it and made it way better. hundred yeah, I mean, yeah. percent. Better, better is a relative term. I mean, I don't think a lot of Europeans donuts are, are better than pastries. Oreo owns. Yeah, but yeah. pancakes are not better than crepes. Uh, false. Ooh, depends are on you the kidding? crepes. But that's another thing. Crepes in Europe are like usually dessert. They wrap ice cream in them point. and put chocolate and stuff. And but like you can also get them for breakfast. No, I know. So, like, I, I almost respect that more because at least they're not pigeonholed into purely a breakfast thing. But at the same time, something that's a dessert for dinner, something that's known to be the sweet thing you have after dinner, is also a breakfast food. Yes. So, basically, well, yeah, dessert get, is breakfast. Cake, cookies, donuts. I get what Alex is saying, though, about, like, the random demarcation because it would be really weird if, like, you had a donut for dessert for dinner. But but exactly. but but it's not because like it's actually become a thing, and you'll notice. Well, you're right, Tim. It is weird because these trendy farm to table restaurants are starting to serve like donuts, donut balls, donut balls, and you're like, wow, I've never seen that on the menu. I'm gonna order that because like that's so strange, it's so quirky and it's weird. So We're weird. breakfast. Oh my goodness! Right. Well, so, yeah, Alex. I think the thing everybody can agree can agree upon is that Tim Horton donut holes are overrated. First of all. A Tim Horton donut hole doesn't exist. Whatever, they're Timbits. Whatever they're called. They're called Timbits, which I thought you of all people would appreciate the name. And they are not overrated. They're amazing and spectacular. They are are just okay. 
just like you. Uh, <laughs> Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree and disagree. I'm gonna agree that they are all just okay, except for the 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 like main like glade, the, the, honey, the, honey, dip, the yeah. honey dip, yeah, the honey dip, yeah, honey dip. I, I don't they, think I tried that. Which is what they established. Yeah, their Timbits on the OG. It's like the pepperoni pizza of Timbits. Is amazing. Yeah. It's the best donut I've ever had. The other flavors don't need them. Take them or leave them. Yeah. I'm with you. When I go to Tim Hortons, I ask not for an assorted pile no. of Timbits, box of Timbits. I get purely... And those are the best donut holes you can get. 100%. Yeah. They're Timbits. So, so the, the main takeaway from this conversation is we're a lawless society and you can shove whatever you want in your mouth for breakfast. Correct. But you can't because someone will look at you really weird if you have your slice of cheesecake for breakfast. But here's the thing, right? So the, the I don't know, is it the FDA that set the like the 2000 calorie like, you know, suggested diet yes. restrictions, yes. whatever. You should have this much protein, this much fiber, this much sugar. This yeah, much but fat, I feel whatever. like they're always changing that. Like the pyramid's gone, right? It's something else now. Maybe. We don't have kids in school, so we're not learning these things like you probably are. But, <laughs> you know, you, like at the back of every packet, there's your 2,000 calorie recommended daily, you know, daily diet thing. But who cares what order you eat it in? If you eat all your sugar right off the top, who's, who's to judge? What's because there? it's impossible then in their mind to get through the rest of the day. Right. Because there's food that just inherently has sugar. Okay, fine. So split it up third, third, and third. Right. Where like... Well, I feel like though... A donut probably blows your 2,000 calorie intake pretty much right away. And whatever your sugar and fat intake is as well. Yes. So like basically. And sodium. Yeah. And if you, just, if you put it. So. You eat a donut, you can just throw your. your just don't eat for the rest of the daily day. Daily recommended. So, so the point is, how did that ever become okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is why Tim Hortons created Timbits. So you could just have a tiny little taste of a donut. Have you ever had even... one honey dip Timbit before? Only when there was one left in the box of somebody else's box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like this so. story. Hold on. Is what, what, what? I don't know. This made me think of just how terrible people's diets can be. Did you hear the story of this kid who yes. only ate Sausage? sausages, Pringles, and white bread? And French fries. And French fries. Mm-hmm. And he's blind by the age of 17 because of a diet-related condition. And oddly enough, not in America. It was in England, right? Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. So I'm now I got curious, and uh, and donuts are another thing brought to us by Europe. They were brought in 1847 to the U.S. by the Dutch. So we can blame another unhealthy eating habit on Europeans. Do you know, Tim, why donuts have holes? No, why do? So they? this is a theory. This is one elaborate story that I heard, and it is not something you can confirm. It is all sort of you know folklore. But I gather there was some uh, Dutch boat uh, that was stuck in, I mean, I think it was like either leaving France, I think it was leaving France, and they picked up some of these pastries that were just kind of round, flat, basically cakes. And this was a ship, like, long, long time ago, and the captain kind of hit bad weather, and he literally just, like, stuck it onto one of the spokes of the wheel of the ship, and then... The chef on the boat was like, oh, or he, or he went to the chef on the boat was like, this is way more convenient when I'm eating my breakfast in case I need my hands. So can you start making pastries that have holes in the middle? That sounds, just, that just doesn't sound true at all. It sounds I would assume it's just so they cook evenly throughout. But it's a really cool story. <laughs> I mean, what you said uh, well, makes we'll more sense. We'll go with it. But... Yeah. All right, well, we guys, have... it's a... Uh... 
it's breakfast out here in LA, so I'm gonna go get some cheesecake, maybe a nice steak. <laughs> and then uh, during this commercial break, make sure you have some. Make sure about Laguna Seca. Make sure you have some more wine. <laughs> make sure I have what? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear it other out of the pack of dogs there. <laughs> the, the wolf pack. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. We're gonna go feed our dogs, and uh, and Tim's gonna get some breakfast, and we'll be right back after this message. <laughs> James, have you checked out Fanimation.com yet? <laughs> have I? Y- yes, I have. This site is amazing. With Fanimation's easy-to-navigate website, you can find the perfect fan for your home. I mean, they're sleek, they're stylish, and most importantly, they work. Fanimation focuses on fit, form, and function to make the perfect fan for your needs. Which is a big deal when we're in the middle of a summer this hot. Not only can you browse their amazing models, Fanimation.com can tell you where to buy and with FanSync, once you get your fan, you can control your fans from your smartphone. I mean, I love a smart home. We all know that you could use a smart home. So the ability to control my fan by either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth is a game changer. I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm a fan of fans, which makes Fanimation's Antique Fan Museum in Zionsville a must-see. I mean, who isn't a fan of fans? Fanimation is a family-owned business. They're a leader in the ceiling fan industry with a wide selection of high-quality, versatile, and customizable fans. Fanimation fans are sold across the USA and around the world, but their headquarters is right here in Indiana. Go to Fanimation.com to find out where you can get your very own Fanimation fan today. And welcome back to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Uh, we are, as discussed, in the office at Chateau Hanschleif. Can you refer to your own office as that? As the office? Well, at- if you're the mayor, wouldn't that just be like town hall? I feel like the whole building's town hall, and then this room is the mayor's office. You know, like the, the mayor has an office in town hall, right? So that's like that's like the West Wing. Sure. Guys, I'm not going to lie. This conversation is making me uncomfortable. I don't like talking about myself like that. About your fake town? Yes. And the fake mayorness that yes. you are of it? Yeah, let's not draw attention to the fact that I just made up a city and made myself mayor of it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait hey, for hey, George Washington runs against me for mayor of <laughs> I won't wait. Can we start that campaign? We absolutely can at some point. It's, but it's not an election cycle right now, so we'll talk about it later. Um, so, guys, I, I had a big a big breakthrough in kind of my personal life. You're welcome. Um, this week. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. So, James and I were stuck in traffic uh, coming back from an appointment in, in town. Because you guys and literally do everything together. We... Pretty much Pretty do much. most things together. Yeah, yeah. Works. Um, and James is pretty annoyed about the fact that I had, what was it, 184. 184. 184 unread text messages. Now, we've talked about this on the show. This yeah. is one of my huge pet peeves. It grinds my gears, if you will. Mm. I know that first world problems are still problems. You literally said last week how much this pissed you off. The most frustrating thing. All right. Jeez, let's move on. I'm glad that's over. Here's what grinds my gears. And uh, unread emails, unread text messages, like I have to get through them. I don't know what to do. In Alex's defense, like 97 of those were me. Probably. In that that case, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to listen to them either, but, or read them. 
Um, but so, so yeah, so James is like, how far do they go back? Like, what was your oldest unread message? And it was December, January, 2018, January, 2018. So we're looking at like 18 months, 18 months. Um, it was a message that was irrelevant. It was just someone saying, yeah, okay. Sounds good. Thanks for the, they were replying to something you said. Yeah. 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 And so I just, I just didn't open it because I saw everything that was in the message on the little yeah. like preview that you get. So like I just didn't click it because I just like, great, close it, next, move on, right? And that yeah. was most of them. So by the time I got through all of the like group chat messages and just reading those, the group chat like, I would say it was take out a fair amount. It was probably half. Yeah. At, at least, right? Yeah. And then the there, there was probably another 20% that were just like, okay or sounds good or whatever. Um, so again, you don't need to open it. And then there was some, to be fair, that were like, oh, like I probably missed out on having that conversation. Like I probably should have <laughs> responded to that. Like that one where I was like, hey Alex, I just found a thousand dollars in the room you were staying in. Is it yours or should I just keep it? And he didn't write back, so I totally kept it. Yeah, but for Alexander Rossi, a thousand dollars is not worth the time to send a text. No, not even to open the text. <laughs> Never mind reply to it. <laughs> uh, so that uh, well, here's me... here's the thing. I have a lot of unanswered texts as well, and a lot of mine is if I get one, if I get one, I'll just leave it there because I'm like, oh, I want to respond to that later, and if I open it, then I'm gonna not have the notification. Yeah, but then do you just not get to them ever? Oh, never, never. Yeah, I have 98 unread text messages. Okay, so that, that See, but but Alex, don't you feel a little bit better that those are all like at least gone now? And no, because it stresses me out. Because right now I have three unread messages, whereas before I knew if I had like 188 that there was like four new ones. Now three is a now new, if is you a new see three, you know you have three new. <laughs> you, ones. You have to I start doing like, the new calculation. I yeah. feel like you yeah, have it's a new instrument. It's a new math. Because I've already, no, no, I've it's already no math. No, that's the new math. Al no math. Already, just... already today there was four. Like one, I I'm not opening because I feel like if I don't open it, that means I didn't see it, which means I'm not responsible for responding to it. So that's logic. <laughs> <laughs> that's logic number one. You realize the person you don't have the red receipts on your text message salads, so the person doesn't know that you just didn't open. No, I know. Yeah, but, but I he sleep better. I sleep better at night knowing that I don't know what it said, so I can't respond to it because I didn't open it. Okay, that's All right. no, that's a here's, super grown here's up way something to do it. That, Here's something that pisses me <laughs> I'm off. Scared Right? As to what it may say, so if I don't open it, I'll never find out. That's, that's a very mature adult way to get through life. I uh, cannot believe you are a person. So here's something that pisses me off a little bit. You've gone through, right? You've read every text message in your phone except for three now. I've texted you guys the last three days to get us a time to record, and no, nobody responded. You responded to other texts within the same group chat. But you didn't respond until an hour ago about recording this episode. To be fair, Tim, I couldn't because my math was thrown off because I didn't know which messages <laughs> I had read and yeah, which James, I had. Because Tim ruined a perfectly in, good system that you had. James in, yes. So but James, James has a blank. He has zero message notifications. So when he gets a new one, he knows. Right. So in my defense, I just didn't want it. <laughs> so... Well, I keep mine at 98 unread text messages because I'm a, a diehard Marco Andretti fan. Oh, I just thought you were a big fan of the 2016 8500. <laughs> no, I missed that one. What happened? Nothing happened. 
So changing the, the pace of this a little bit, I'm gonna just have a small Twitter rant because obviously I've talked about Twitter people and responses on this podcast before. People saying I should go by this name or that yes, name. Yes, Alessandro. Yeah, we like, know. okay, thanks. So James, when he was discussing my text messages, sent out a tweet that was obviously funny, was obviously a joke. And the final sentence was, side note, don't bother texting him congrats after win. Because admittedly, a lot of the unread messages were kind of in groups around, you know, days that were good for me in a race car or whatever. So this lady named Brenda on Twitter has a surprised emoji. And then no more congratulations from me. Maybe we should retweet so the whole world knows. And that just, it kind of rubs me the wrong way because first of all, I don't know who Brenda is. Second of all, Brenda certainly doesn't have my phone number. So the last thing Brenda should be offended by is the phantom text message that she sent to me that I never responded to. Right. <laughs> you mean you and Brenda don't, like, you guys don't chat all the time? No. Not anymore. They used to have <laughs> pretty had a close. Out. Yeah, they had a falling out. They don't do their weekly coffee on and then And then someone else saying, oh, it's too bad that AR, which is me, um, is too cool to be supported by blue collar Midwestern fans. I'm pretty sure hinges <laughs> it. And it's like, again, I don't think you have my phone number to send me a message, nor do your friends, or I guess, fans. or random fans. First like, of all, it know. was a joke. And like the fact that the comedy is lost on people is the tough part about Twitter. Yes. And yes, to, to chime in as if you were one of the people that was slighted by not getting a reply from a text message when you didn't send a text message and you couldn't if you wanted to. <laughs> it seems like a little... I feel like they should have more important things to worry about in their day. Yes. So anyways, yet again, Twitter uh, providing us copious amounts of entertainment. But Laguna Seca is neat. Mm. Laguna Seca is going to be a, a thing. It's going to be a whole thing because we had a serious test there back in February. February, yeah. And it was a very inconclusive test. We had... By inconclusive, you mean unproductive. <clears throat> very unproductive. Yes. What, had, what, what, is that, what does that mean? So the, the weather did not cooperate. Uh, the temperatures, wet, when it was dry, which was only for about two and a half hours of the running yeah. um, were very, very cold, very unrepresentative of what we're going to experience. There was uh, mud on the track. There was a lot of dirt and mud on the track. There had been a lot of rain uh, that obviously it was not, you know, built to cope with. So we were in the process of trying to, you know, dry, clean the track up by, by having guys run. But uh, then the weather moved in and, and rain came in. I'm pretty sure there was fog in the morning. Long story short, we got two hours of green flag track time on a very unrepresentative track. So, I don't think anybody really got a good sense of what the setup needs to be, uh, you know, what that place is going to be like to race on. So we're kind of going into the weekend a little bit blind. The saving grace is we do have a test on the Thursday, so everybody will be there lapping most of the day on Thursday. So I think by the end of the day, uh, on that day, it'll be much clearer kind of where everything stands and how everything feels. But heading into the weekend, it's a little bit of guesswork. A lot of guesswork, um, which is... Kind of exciting, I guess, considering it's a it's a championship deciding race. I mean, it's going to really put an emphasis on the best team driver combo and um, the guys that get it done. I mean, it, it's good. It's good for us coming, trying to come from behind. You know, not going to a place where there's like a a huge known that Penske's super strong. Whereas, like at Sonoma, for example, if you came in behind a Penske car for Sonoma, you were pretty much in trouble. Yeah. 
you were dead on arrival type thing. So, um, so speaking of that, what are the, I'm sure it's been discussed over at Andretti Auto Sport. What are the scenarios uh, for the championship showdown? Well, to be honest, man, like we only, we only have two race wins, right? So you're not going to, I'm not naive enough to think you're going to win a championship in this competitive series with two race wins. It hasn't happened before. It's not going to happen this year. Um, so we have to, we have to go win. And if we do that, then it's actually it's essentially it counts it's pretty, as four race wins because it's a double points race. Two race wins. It, well, I'm saying for you, it would right. It would, it would be, be like four races. Be like four correct. Races. Yes. So it would um, it would mean that Joseph can finish fifth, and I and I still win. So like it's it's a big ask because it's hard to win in IndyCar race. Like yeah. you can't just wish it and go make it happen. <laughs> Will it into existence? Obviously. Yeah. But you know, if we have a good car and we're quick, um, you know, then it's not improbable that we could win and he could finish fifth. Now, if I don't win, it gets a lot more challenging. I right. think if I finish second, he has to finish ninth. Right. And if I finish third, he has to finish like 14th or 15th. So right. it's very much a must win for us. And if we do that, then there's a pretty good chance it'll all fall into place anyways. I, I would imagine in some ways that it's almost, it almost takes some of the stress out of it because it's, it's, it's kind of a one scenario. You're not right. there doing math in your head no. during the race. It's like, no. Oh, if he's there, I'm here. It's you're Correct. like, I got to win. If I'm not going to win, right. then, you know. Which really is no different mindset than you, for all sure. of us have every single weekend, right? right? So for me, I think I have less pressure than him. Right. Because for him, it's like, he if we're quick he's got to finish and we next. qualify up front, then he's got the, the pressure to make something happen. And, right. and the team has the pressure to not make some strategy call or get caught out by yellow or anything like that. Right. For us, it's kind of just status quo. For sure. Hope we're fast and can mm-hmm. put it up front and, and go from there. So. But, I mean, we've seen crazy things. You go back to 2015... Uh, kind of to your point, Scott went in. I mean, no, Scott's team. probably going to win the championship. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Like, he's 98 points back, and he's probably going to win. So, <laughs> basically, you, uh, Joseph, Simon, and Will? Yes. Uh, just won't start? Yes. Scott will win from pole? Yes. And win the championship? Again, I feel like stranger things have happened. I'm not going to bet against it. No. Just put it that way. Right. I wouldn't put money not on that hand. No. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I have a question. Like, is it... Does it does it change things for you though, like on a mental level of, of knowing that there's so much of it that's not up to you? Like you you could win, you could have the best race of your life, you could win and still not win the championship. No, no, not not really. I I think what James said is is really true. Like if I was coming into it like seven points and it was just going to be a straight fight between Joseph and I, like that's. That's when you start to, I think, almost trap yourself into overthinking things and maybe trying too hard or whatever. Really, truly, like we're going into it as we have all other 16 races this year. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be type of thing. So, I mean, if we win and he finishes third, you know, we went out and did what we had to do. And we can take a lot of pride in that, I think, to go out and win the finale in a double point situation and come close. Um, and it just wasn't meant to be our year, right? So, no, I, I think that's fine. It's it's more, I think I'll be most disappointed if we go into it and we're like just sixth all weekend, right? We're just average, never really had the pace to be up front. Joseph finishes on the podium and it's not, not even a, a consideration that we were even close. That's, right. yeah. that's the biggest fear type thing. What are you expecting, James? You know what, man? I... It's, We've had uh, we've had a tough run uh, last couple of weeks on the uh, on the five car. If I'm totally honest, about you're just trying to get through turn one. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically, I'm just trying to not get hit in turn one, and then I'll be so excited, I'll probably crash in turn two. Well, do you know what the thing is? Like, it's really hard to get through turn one. I mean, 
technically... I, I have a tip on that, by the way. I have a tip for you guys. Don't oh God, start near Sato. Or an RLL car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in general. That old team. Just stay away. I've, it's been four four races in a row. The first lap, there's been contact with an RLL car. Well, I mean, when you do your track walks... <laughs> When you do all of your work around dotted yellow lines, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to expect? No, I mean, for us, man, we, we wanted to kind of end the season on a high note. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks for a lot of different reasons. Um, a lot of it been under control, unfortunately. So we just want to, we want everybody to know that, you know, within the team, everyone's doing a great job. We're pushing hard. Um, it's a track that I've, I've always loved racing at. I've done a lot of races there in junior categories and it's always been uh, one that's treated me well. And so, Get through turn one is going to be the number one goal of the weekend, certainly, uh, and kind of go racing from there. And just try to end it on a high note and, and go into the off season with a, a bit of momentum. Obviously, a lot of changes coming uh, to Aero SPM next year, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a busy off season, but we want to go into it, you know, running running a bit of a wave from Laguna, hopefully. I wonder how the scenario is going to play out when James is leading, and I'm second, and Joseph sixth. <laughs> what's your what's your what's your bonus for the championship should i just like in my car have your account and routing numbers <laughs> just like taped to the side yes and just phone a friend i'll, uh, I'll tape my phone to my steering wheel and when i see alex has sent you an apple pay for a six figure sum <laughs> i will accept it and gladly pull over <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, the question I think everybody wants to know is, uh, James, are you, are you going to run the no thim sticker again? Well, I mean, I was going to it was going to frame you luck in Portland, and it didn't. I mean, nobody <laughs> ran over my head this time. Uh, but yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, if you rewatch qualifying from Portland, you'll notice that James has a no thim sticker on top of his helmet, right where you can see it. Maybe you should put it on Takuma's car. <laughs> No, I, don't I wouldn't think he I needs wouldn't any put, help. Yeah, I wouldn't put that on somebody else. I wouldn't I wouldn't have him I wouldn't have somebody else associated with them in any way whatsoever. Um yeah, I haven't decided yet. It's a good question, man. It's a good question. Because I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I don't think that my anti thim sticker was the reason for my downfall. Although technically I didn't even make it as far in Portland <clears throat> this year as I did last year, which was turn three. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's, it's going to be a treat for the finale. fans. Yet, yet again, uh, the NTT IndyCar Series comes down to the championship finale, the final race. And to going, it all. going back to a track that there's been a history at, you know, like we yeah. had we had good success coming back to Road America after a long absence. Mm-hmm. We had good success coming back to Gateway after an absence. So we're really hoping the fans show up uh, in droves. It's a crazy week because the IMSA finale is the or not the finale, but the IMSA race yep. at WeatherTech Raceway is uh, the week before. Yep. So it's sort of a crazy speed Monterey race. Speed Week, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then the IndyCar finale, obviously, the next week. So it's going to be a big week for motor racing fans, and uh, hopefully, the IndyCar finale is exciting for Owen Wall. One more thing for the fans. Fanimation fans, that is. Fanimation ceiling fans are fans of fans. They've immersed themselves in both the art and science of fan making 
considering every detail of design and functionality. Today, their fans are the perfect fusion of an age-old craft and the latest technological advancements. With artful styles, efficient air movement, and unprecedented convenience and control, Fanimation fans provide an air of distinction in any space. Their fans are sold across the USA and around the world, but their headquarters is right here in India. Go to Fanimation.com to find out where you can get your very own Fanimation fan today. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to add producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean fair. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.